I'm Pam. I'm Dawn. I'm Deidre. I'm Dina. Welcome, Welcome to Ozark's Haints and Hoosh. Hoosh. This ain't no fancy academic check your references kind of deal. This is four girls from the Ozarks sipping and spewing about Haints, Hooch, and history. Hey everybody, welcome to Ozarks Haints and Hooch. This is Dawn. For those of you that are new to this podcast, just know that um, you are not hearing our typical podcast. And for those of you that listened last episode, you know that we're taking a little break until September 1st. So um, this is a special mini episode that we're doing because we wanted you guys to have some content. Just some quick disclaimers like we always do. Um, Please go visit our social media at Facebook and Instagram and our website at ozarkshaintsandhooch.weebly.com. So tonight we're not having a cocktail, but we are having a special guest, and he's a great substitute and quite a fine storyteller. And my family, anyway, has known him for a long time. Before I turn this over to him, you might want to go back and review Season 1, Episode 12, because this is going to be a little supplement to that. Um, We will have pictures and more information, though, about this episode on the website. Dina and I and our special guest gathered around my iPhone on his desk in his office, so let's get right to it. Take it away, Dina. Alrighty, we are sitting at the bottom of the hill at Shepherd of the Hills in Keith Thurman's office, and he is going to tell us a ghost story. A little backstory or background, I guess, on Keith. Um, my, our mom was Keith's theater teacher in high school, and I have now been out here at the farm for two different times. I played when I was young and skinny. And now I'm playing when I'm old and fat. (laughs) Hey, I did that too. I was out here when I was young and skinny, and then I was out here again when I was old and fat. I've always been old and fat. (laughs) I know you haven't. So we're going to let Keith go ahead and and tell us his story. So go ahead. Take it away. Well, okay. I don't know how I got caught in this, but I did, and it is kind of a unique story. Uh, And I'll start from the beginning. A very dear, sweet young lady uh, worked for me years ago when I was running daytime and and I was running the darkroom. And she was just 16 years old and and she was kind of shy and a little bit introverted, but me and her hit it off real well. Very sweet girl. She was the owners of the Shepherd of the Hills' uh, daughter. Uh, It was... uh, it was one of those things where this is a ghost story, but it's kind of a sad story, too, in a way. Her name was uh, Shelley Trimble, and Shelley was a big country western fan, and when we were doing uh, work in the darkroom, she was in the darkroom most of the time, and I would always have the radio tuned to a rock and roll station, which nowadays, that rock and roll we listened to then would be classic rock and roll. Uh, 
but it didn't take too long for her to change her tune, and she decided she liked the, the rock and roll better than the country western. Okay, having that said, uh, years later, and I won't go into a bunch of detail, but unfortunately, Shelley uh, was accidentally killed here right on property, and it was on a day when she shouldn't have even been working. Uh, I had worked seven days and seven nights for about 90 days straight, and I took a day off and I asked her to come in and work for me, and she did, and and uh, I always felt really sort of responsible for that, so I felt real bad now that we got that out of the way. Uh, I, I really enjoy singing. I've been in two or three bands and whatnot, and I had a karaoke uh, set up that late at night I used to wait till the show was over and wait till everybody had left, and I'd set up my karaoke music, and I would, uh, I would just for my own amusement, I would sing. And uh, my wife started coming out. I'd do it about every Saturday night. I wouldn't even get started until maybe 12.30 at night. And and here's the fun. We were sitting down there one night, about 1.30 in the morning, and there was this weird, misty, I don't know how to describe it, it was up in the seating area, and it looked like a bleed over of a light from somewhere else but it was weird, it just didn't look right. And she brought it to my attention. I looked, I paid no attention to it. So the following week, when we were same situation, there that light was again, only <laughs> it was in a different spot. And it, then it was odd. And I had a flashlight, I'd shoot that flashlight up there on it and there was nothing there. Of course, that light took out whatever light was, was we were seeing. Uh, so I didn't pay much attention to it. And I think the following week we came back, this was all in August, and that is the month that Shelley had the accident. And uh, we, <laughs> we came back the following week, and I got that light was back, only it was in a different spot again for a third time. And I was really beginning to wonder what in the world it was. It was almost like somebody was playing a trick on us. So it scared the hell out of her. And I started walking up that way with my flashlight, and I'd put the flashlight on, and it was gone. I'd take the flashlight off, and it was there. And we walked all the way up to the edge of the seating area, and she was right behind me, uh, all hunkered over. And we got right up to the damn seating area, and before I stepped up into the seating area, I didn't have my flashlight on, but that light... Uh, and I think that's the God's honest truth. That light just disappeared, and I didn't think anything of it for a split second. I thought, well, there's your answer. Uh, it's a bleed over from somewhere, and you can only see it in one place. But about that time, this cold-ass wind went through me. I mean, it was just like a, it was like somebody turned the air conditioner fan on me. It right through me, and it went through her, too, because she squealed. And she went, oh my God, what was that? And she turned around and hauled ass for the dance floor. <laughs> and I gotta admit, it, it, kinda, it kinda made me a little nervous. So I turned around and followed her back down there trying to be a real tough stud, no big deal. And the truth was, I, my knees was knocking a little bit because that just wasn't right. Well, she jumped in the vehicle and I said, I've got to tear this equipment down. She says, hell no, you're taking me home right now. We're going home. <laughs> I'll, you can come back and, and take care of that. Well, I got in the Jeep and drove down to the dressing room, which just 
maybe 100 yards away, and I needed to go into my office and do a couple of things before I left. So I got out of the Jeep and went into the office and went into my office, and I was in there longer than I thought I was going to be. And the, the door closer on the dressing room door was broke, so the door just stayed open when you opened it or closed, you know, it, it didn't pull itself too. So the door was standing open, and she comes through it and come over there where I was, and she said, what are you doing? I want to go home. Well, there's a door there, and we were parked right outside it, Then there's a door on the other end of the, the dressing room, just right there, very real close. And uh, uh, that door was standing open, and she said, I wish you'd close that door. And just for purity, I don't mean this. I said, Shelly, close the door for me. Thud. And the damn door, I mean, just perfect timing. That door closed, and I guess it was a draft of some sort, folks, but I'm telling you, I kind of stood there dumbfounded, and she hauled ass out that other door yelling, how did you do that? What did you do? You got a string on that? I heard that all the way back to the Jeep. She got in the Jeep, locked the doors, and started honking. And I stood there for a minute, kind of wondering what was going on. And then I thought, well, I, I don't know what this is, but this is really strange. So I got in the vehicle, took her home, and I come back out here. And I looked everywhere, and there was no light up there. There was nothing going on. And for the next two or three Saturdays, the light was never back. And I started thinking about it. And Shelly, I'm sure, I, you know, I don't know anything about any kind of afterlife or anything else, neither does anybody else. But the, the thing is, who, who knows what's going on? Who knows what dimensions there are left and so forth and so on? So I started thinking, and my imagination ran away with itself. Shelly knew that I was really uh, just in terrible shape for a long time over having her out here. And I think Shelly was coming and listening to the old, what was now classic rock that we listened to in the dark room. And she insisted on letting me know that everything was all right. And she showed up out here and, and went through me and closed the door for me to let me know for sure that that's what was going on. And I never saw it again. And I, I for some weird reason, I just had this, this peace of mind for the first time in a long time. I told her mama this story, and uh, or at least I think I did. I intended to, and that's been, oh crap, that's been at least 20 years ago. But uh, anyway, it was, it was one for the books. I didn't know whether to run or feel good, bad, or indifferent, but that is the truth. Uh, a series of coincidences about caused me to have a nervous breakdown, <laughs> and it scared her really bad. I have goosebumps. You gave me goosebumps. Yeah, that was. You want me to tell you the one about the old black dog? Yes. There's an old. Uh, th this was, uh, Wayne McCord was the manager, so this had to have been at least 35 years ago. And in those days, they laid us off on November the 15th, and we came back on March the 15th. But the beauty was, uh, Mark would figure up between what we were uh, making on uh, salary and what we were making on unemployment, and he would take the difference and, and pay us a bonus in one nice. lump sum. And all we had to do was watch one 
Sometimes it turned out to be two because we rotated, but it was either one or two weeks from six to six in the morning, seven days, that we were on night security. And there was only three TV stations at that time. 27 had just come on, and it was running all night. So we'd set up in the old ticket office and, and uh, uh, sit in there and just do practically nothing but watch a little TV and every once in a while make a circle around things going on. And this old black dog had showed up. Great big old, he, he was a, he kind of had a hound head, but he looked like a, a, what do they call them, Great Danes or whatever. He wasn't that big, but he was a very large dog and he was just skin and bones. It was terrible. And we tried several places to get somebody to take him, but he was in such a horrible shape that nobody wanted anything to do with him. Wayne said, well, you gotta get rid of him. And none of them other boys would do it. So I led him around behind the building, took him down in the grass there and tied him to a stump and uh, sucked up enough, whatever it is you suck up and I shot him. <laughs> and I shot that dog right between the eyes and he dropped like a thud. Uh, I, I did it to take him out of his misery because that little dog was miserable. It was, and, and it was very hard for me to do that. Uh, I've had to do that a few times and every time it, it gets worse. Anyway, the old dog's dead. Well, I walked away from him and left him and I told two of the fellows that worked here, uh, Leroy Cheney and Ronnie Stone, uh, I told them boys, I said, I shot him so you haul him off. Well, I never thought anything more about it and I came in the next morning and when I drove back past there he was gone so I thought well they they got him and sometime during that day I went on night watch the night before that but sometime during that day uh I asked them boys where they took him and they look and neither one of them was good liars they was both full of crap and they couldn't lie <laughs> worth a damn but but uh I don't believe they were BSing me both of them looked at me like we didn't touch him we ain't going near the damn thing we didn't get no nowhere near that dog so we didn't move him. Somebody else had to. Well, that I I didn't think anything of it, but I asked around two or three of the other people who worked here. Nobody fessed up to moving that dog. And I I thought, well, no, well, no it didn't make sense for anybody to be playing a joke on me or anything because right. it just didn't make sense. That night, night watch, I'm sitting in the old ticket office with all the big windows and the full open-winded door and I'm sitting there and I'm watching TV and I get this hair curling weird old feeling and I turn toward the double doors and damn, <laughs> there was an old black dog with blood red fluorescent eyes right in the, right in the door, right in the window and he was looking at me and I had a 38 pistol in there that we used on night watch and I damn near fell out of my chair. I was on a big old swivel stool and I did. I almost fell out of my chair. And uh, I got back up and I looked again and he was still sitting there just staring straight on at me. And about that time, uh, you know how one's uh, upper lip when they're growling will start flapping like something in the wind? Man, that started. And that old dog's teeth all started showing and he was growling at me and it scared the you know what out of me. And I jumped up and tried to get my bearings and I pulled the drawer open to get my pistol. And when I pulled the drawer open, I looked back up and I couldn't have turned my head more than three or four seconds. And when I looked back, that dog was gone. He was nowhere to be seen. 
And I went over and cautiously opened the door and looked around, and I finally got guts enough to walk out sort of on the, in the park, and I looked everywhere, and there was no dog. And I went back in, and I closed and locked the door, and normally I got off at 6 o'clock, and it was still dark at 6 o'clock, so hell, I left that day at 7.30. I didn't, I didn't leave till, till it was daylight, and when I left, I run all the way across the parking lot to my truck. I mean, that was it. the only thing I tried to figure out what was going on, and somebody maybe dumped some pups, uh, or they wasn't pups, they was huge, they was older dogs, but maybe somebody dumped two or three of them old hounds somewhere in there, and a second one had wound up out here. And you know how their their lights will, will or their eyes will glow when a light hits them sometimes, sure. but not like this. These were red, blood ass red, oh. and I mean yeah. uh, fluorescent <laughs> red. And since then, as I have brought that story up more than once, I've had three or four other fellows that was working back then. Uh, one of the fellows, Wayne Coslow, said, "Yeah, I seen that dog down on the front." porch of old Matt and Aunt Molly's cabin one night. He just told us that story last week. Yeah. I was in here when he was He gone. said, I was walking down through there, and there that thing was, and his eyes was blood glowing red. Yeah. And he said, <laughs> he said, uh, he said, not too long after that, uh, he said, when I turned my head and looked back, he was gone, just vanished, just, just, just speak, he was gone. And I forget which one of the tour guides it was. It might have even been the owner, Mark Tremble, but one of them Wayne said he asked, he told one of them about it, and whoever he told about it said, that dog ain't real. He ain't here. You, you're going to see him once in a while, but he's not here. What the hell ever that meant, I have no idea. But, but that, that's a true story. And I could not, and none of those guys ever fessed up to moving that dog. They, but there's no way that dog was alive. I mean, good God. Do you think God, an animal drug it off? Or? I don't know. I doubt it because he was tied up. Oh. I had him. I had a rope around his neck. I couldn't. Right. I mean, I, I had him tied to that stump on a rope about four or five foot long. And uh, the rope was gone. And the dog was gone. And I don't have a clue. So, you know, there's a... There's a devil dog in because we did a mm-hmm. we, we did, did a, a, a episode on the Ozark Howler and then we did a little sub episode on the devil. Heard dog. of them? So I've heard stories of, of black, big, huge, black, red-eyed dogs. Uh, well, I've lived here seventy-three years and I've heard those stories like that many times. Yeah. Uh, but that <laughs> that was the truth. I don't get rattled at too many things. And I, I didn't get I didn't get too rattled at, at the door closing with with Shelley, uh, because mm-hmm. Shelley had been seen a lot of times. We got a letter one time from some people that wanted to know if the little girl had got hurt in the back of the tram. And and to make to follow up on this, at the fore end of the rain shelter where the where the trams come in to pick the people up to take them to the top of the hill. There was two families standing there, and there was a little girl in a green dress standing in the back of the tram as they come up out of the dark into the light, and she was twirling like she was dancing, and she fell down. And they all ran right straight to the tram, and when they got to it, there was nobody there. Well, and they said she was a little blonde girl 
Shelly was a little blonde girl. They said wow. there was a little blonde girl with, uh, Shelly was real little for her age. She's a little bitty thing. But there was a little little blonde girl in a green dress. And there's been people see or heard or, or just are absolutely positive that they had a run-in with Shelly. More than once we've, we've heard that. When we did our shepherd stories, I had some of the other people... Um, I got on Facebook and they sent me ghost stories, people that worked here. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple of uh, little girls on the tram and one of them, um, came, a little girl that kind of disappeared while they were in line uh, talking to him at curtain call. So mm-hmm. I think the moral of the story is don't be at Shepherd of the Hills past 1230 by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Period. Just don't do it. I think that's the yeah. moral of well, the story. Well, I got story. one better than that. Don't be at Shepherd of the Hills after 1230 with yourself and anybody else. I mean, you can bring, you can bring Cox's army out, but it ain't going to keep a booger from getting you if he decides to. That's right. Booger dog. That's what that was called. Oh, booger dog. That was called the booger yeah. dog. Well, it was, those, those are two of many, but those are kind of the, the better ones. My wife will kill me if we're telling that story, but that's no joke. Scared the hell out of her, and it made me nervous. But that light just was not wasn't right I, and I don't know how to explain it it was like a real dim dim light and a smoke machine that hadn't put out a whole lot of smoke but a little just kind of a little foggy look and, and it was it was almost circular like it was just this one area and three weeks straight it moved it was in it was in section two one time it was in section four one time and then it was back in section two only on the opposite end I remember it quite well uh, but the cold air was what was really the freaky part of it. I mean, I suppose that there could have been a draft come through those double gates up there, but uh, how it just came right through right then, right at that time. In the middle of August. In yeah. the middle of August when the light disappeared. Right. And it wasn't just a, a chilly breeze. It was, a down, it was like the damn air conditioner kicked on right in your face. Yeah. Wow. Shelly was a sweetheart, and I loved her dearly. Uh, that was a, boy, that's tough. That was a bad deal. Anyway, enough of that. Well, you know, I've always said the Ozarks are magic. It's just sometimes that magic can be creepy. <laughs> Spooky magic. Yes, ma'am. I Thank agree. Thank you, Keith. Yay. Yay. It was good. Thanks. Weren't those good? Oh my gosh, good and spooky. The episode about the booger dog, just so you guys know, is season one, episode five. So thanks again so much for listening um, to our um, mini first mini-sode. We release on the 1st and the 15th of every month, and so we'll have another little mini-something for you. Um, don't forget to subscribe, give us stars. Go to our social media and go to our website, ozarkshaintsandhoots.weebly.com. And remember, if you liked it, tell all your friends. And if you didn't, keep your big mouth shut. shut.